Welcome back, MTN Giants podcast. We have the Giants at the Commanders this week, the 2-8 and eight Giants versus the 4-6 and six Commanders. Commanders coming off a pretty tough loss last week in Seattle, lost by three points. I think Jason Myers had a game winner. It might have been an overtime game too, but it was a very close game, tough loss for them either way. The spread opened up as the Giants being 10-point underdogs, and the last time I looked, it was Giants plus 8.5. So the Giants are closing the gap, which I know we shouldn't say that term anymore. Um, when talking about the Giants. But anyway, so, you know, I could see the Giants being competitive in this game. Washington does not have many injuries. The only guy they really have out that matters, I think, is um, their running back, Antonio Gibson's doubtful with a toe injury. And we'll probably see more of Chris Rodriguez Jr., who actually played a lot against the Giants last time. I think he had like seven or eight carries, didn't really do too well, but still, I mean, he's another guy who brings a different element to the game. Um, Robinson more of a bruiser, and Gibson more of a receiver, obviously. And for the Giants, you have a couple guys out still, Adoree Jackson, Evan Neal. Seems like Andrew Thomas is questionable with a knee injury, so we'll see if he plays. If not, no biggie to me either way. If you were on Giants Twitter yesterday, you saw people were just going after John Mara, after uh, the guys from Talking Giants, pretty much confirmed our worst beliefs as, um, you know, John Mara may have to be convinced to take a quarterback in this year's draft, which is pretty much what we all expected anyway. But for, you know, someone like Bobby Skinner, who's pretty, you know, plugged into what's going on to uh, come out and say that is, uh, it's pretty meaningful. So, you know, I, I do believe if the Giants pick first or second, they're going to take a quarterback. Um, if they picked after two, if they were the third pick or the fourth pick, I'm not as confident, but I would still think they find a way to do that. Um, it may not be Drake May or Caleb Williams. It may have to be somebody else. But, you know, John Mara probably has that mindset of, well, you did give Daniel Jones that contract, so now he's your guy. But, Let's be honest, John Mara definitely had influence on Daniel Jones coming back. So, you know, I think the fair thing is to let Brian Dable, Joe Shane kind of groom their own quarterback. Um, John Mara, of course, wants Daniel Jones to work. It's not going to work. It's not ever going to work. And you have to move on. I mean, you can't next year because the dead cap hit would be ridiculous. But um, in 2025, Daniel Jones should not be on this roster. So we'll see if the Giants do get their own quarterback. Of course, they're going to have to lose some games, which they probably should have no problem doing because they are not a good team. I mean, right now, they're a plus eight and a half. Next week, the advanced line is plus five and a half against the Patriots. Then they hit their bye. So to be five and a half point dogs to the Patriots, who are just an awful team right now, and they don't even have their quarterback. Like, I feel like Mac Jones is probably going to get benched because there was that report that came out that Mac Jones has, like, lost the locker room. So we could see Bailey Zappi against the Giants. Could be, I think, Matt Corral's there as well. So one of those guys. But to be five-and-a-half-point dogs already, which I get it's an advanced line. Things can change, of course. But you know, five-and-a-half-point dogs at home, at home to the Patriots is freaking crazy. So that just shows you how bad the Giants are. Um, Tyrod Taylor, I don't think, can come back until the Packers game or the Saints game, one of those games. So at least another two or three games without Tyrod Taylor. And honestly, like, I know Tyrod is probably going to push to come back. I don't want him to play because I think Tyrod can like probably win us a game whether it's uh, I think the only shot they really have is probably the Rams in week 17 that's like my biggest concern is winning that game um 
But if all goes right, then hey, the Giants hopefully go two and fifteen. You hope that the Panthers can win a game and that their strength of schedule gets even better and the Giants can somehow fall into the first overall pick, which I don't think is impossible. But with Matthew Stafford's injury history, I mean, I know they have Carson Wentz now. God knows what he looks like. And for any Commanders fan watching this, you know, Carson Wentz was not that great last year. So, you know, the Giants could mess around and win that game on New Year's Eve against the Rams, but I don't see them beating anyone else. I mean, I think Green Bay at home in primetime is like possible. I have not been that impressed with Jordan Love. Like Jordan Love's confusing. He'll make a great throw and then like, you know, he'll make four other bad ones. Like he's just that kind of quarterback. But you know, maybe I, I still think with the running game alone, they can beat the Giants, the Packers um, at New Orleans is tough to win at at Philly. You're not going to win at. And then you have the home versus the Rams. Then you have home versus Philly in the final game of the season. And as I said before, I don't care if it's Jalen Hurts or Marcus Mariota. I still think the Giants lose that game in the, the last game of the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I know it's bad to, to root for losses, but when you're two and eight and you desperately need a quarterback and like. It's not like if the Giants were a smart organization and knew what had to be done, I probably wouldn't be rooting for losses as much. But the Giants are a team, and I hear this in Giants spaces all the time. Like the Giants are a team that like you have to like stuff has to go wrong for them to make the right decision sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I go back to Joe Judge, like he should have been fired regardless because he just, you know, he just wasn't it, right? Joe Judge, you can tell after year two, that he was way in over his head. He was not meant to be the head coach of this team. But due to all the backlash and the, the outcry to, you know, to, to fire Joe Judge, that's what really got John Mara to do it. And, you know, John Mara is a guy who definitely gets influenced by the fan base. You go back to the Eli benching, how that was a thing that apparently came from Mara. And after all the backlash, he turns around and fires Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo a week later. Like, that's the kind of owner he is. And, um, you know, sometimes things just have to happen for John Mara to make the right decision. And by that, I mean, if you get the first or second overall pick, the decision's pretty much made for you. It would be such a stupid thing to do to not take one of those guys, Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May, if you sit at the first or second overall pick. But if it's the Giants pick third or fourth overall, yes, I can see a world where John Mara kind of like talks himself out of taking a quarterback. And, you know, I, I do ultimately hope it's up to Joe Shane, which it should be. But I still think John Mara is probably going to be clamoring to to keep Daniel Jones, which is just uh, just asinine. It's like mental illness at this point. Like it's over. Daniel Jones, the era is over with. As I said, he'll be here next year because of the contract, which should not have been giving out in the first place, but it's in the past. But um, the era should be over. I've seen enough of it. And I, I had, by the way, I know we're taking forever to preview this game, and, and I apologize, but then again, who cares about this game? Um, I made a tweet, a post, X post the other day, and some people liked it. Some people agreed. Some people didn't agree. I mean, you had Saquon Barkley talking about loyalty in the locker room, and Saquon went on to say, loyalty means nothing, no matter how loyal or committed you are. It's a business that the, at the end of the day. Um, that's something I've learned. And, like, listen, I, I get where Saquon's coming from, and I appreciate the honesty, but my quote tweet was, I'm so ready for this era of Giants football to be over with. Barkley, Jones, McKinney, Slayton can all go. It's time to it's time to turn the page on these Gettleman guys who have done nothing but lose here. Now, some of the common responses were like, 
you know, a picture of the Giants winning a playoff game last year. And to that, I responded with the Giants record since 2019, which I believe was 25, 50 and one. So that's unacceptable. So if you want to, you know, my response to a guy was, I see your one season and raise you four other seasons. Like, yeah, last season was fun. 2022, we went 9-7-1. and one. You won a playoff game. You were given a great matchup versus a Vikings defense that was probably one of the worst three defenses in all of football last year. You made it work. But then you went to Philly and had a reality check and got your asses handed to you, and the game was over by the middle of the second quarter. So... The point is, whether it's 2019, 22, even 2018, because that's when Barkley was drafted, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 2023, that's five seasons out of six. Five seasons out of six where it wasn't like they were a seven or eight win team and they barely missed the playoffs. That's five seasons where they were awful. Like, what were they in 2018? 5 and 11. Then they were 4 and 12 and 19. Then they won, what, four, or uh, they won six games in 2020. I know they barely missed the playoffs, whatever. Uh, 2021, it was a four win season, I believe. Now you're going to have another, like, two or three win season this year. I mean, I'm over it. I'm done with this era of Giants football. I'm tired of this losing culture of like trying to convince ourselves that oh Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones you can't you can't get rid of them because there's no other options like I'm tired of that mindset there's absolutely other options and you know people have that response of like well if you get rid of Barkley it's going to stunt the quarterback's growth you know the the next quarterback assuming it's Drake May Caleb Williams and that's a fair argument, but Saquon is going to be a 27-year-old running back next year. Like, I still think Saquon has another good year or two left in him, but getting rid of Barkley is not going to, you know, it's not going to matter by the time the Giants are good. And when the Giants are hopefully good by 2025, Saquon's going to be like 28. Like, where are you going with a 28-year-old running back? Like, it doesn't really work out like that. I know some guys have that longevity, like, Adrian Peterson did, and Derrick Henry, I think, is 28, 29 right now, but it's rare, and Saquon's had, you know, a major injury, he's had the ankle stuff, of course, like, the guy has not been that durable, and I don't think Saquon's ever going to get a long-term deal with the Giants, I think this year it's probably another franchise tag, or they let him go, like, I don't know what it's going to be, but... If Joe Shane didn't extend him last year, why would he change his mind this year? And why would Saquon change his demands in this offseason? I mean, maybe he does. Maybe because he got injured again and Saquon hasn't been as effective as last year. Maybe Saquon does bring his asking price down a bit. But I, I still, like, I'm just over it. Like, I just want to move on and get, like, these guys who have done nothing but lose here out of this locker room and just start fresh and have this new culture of guys and, and get, you know, have guys that were drafted by Joe Shane in here. Like, you know, of course, Daniel Jones and Saquon and Slayton. You had Slayton a couple weeks ago talking about how, you know, he thinks that the fans have wanted him out of here since, you know, the beginning, since he came here. Like, it's just like, it's just, I'm over it, you know? It's just annoying. You have you have Darius Slayton going after fans and, and, you know, the Daniel Jones thing, don't even get me started. It feels like people are more fans of the New York Joneses than the New York Giants. I feel like people put Daniel Jones over the entire organization at this point. Like, it's it's embarrassing over a quarterback who is, you know, average at best, you know? It's not like this is Eli Manning who's won you two Super Bowls. This is Daniel Jones, a guy who has been objectively a very bad quarterback for most of his career. And I understand that the uh, surroundings were not great and the offensive line and, and the receivers and the, you know, Gettleman sucked. I get all that. But 
you're you're still out here like defending a quarterback who I think is at best like the 20th best quarterback in football. I think I ranked him at like 20 or 19 or 21 in my uh, off-season QB rankings last year. Like he's just he's just not that guy like we've seen it by now yeah the Giants caught the league off guard last year they were able to get to the playoffs they started out seven and two six and two whatever it was but ever since the middle of last year the Giants have not been a good team like I I think they finished out the year last year three six and one um went one and one in the playoffs and now they're two and eight this year so you know Brian Dable's record at the Giants coach now is like 11 and 15 or something like that like it's overall not that great so um and that's another thing I hate people coming after like Brian Dable's job like what's he supposed to do here and you have fans saying like I, I want to lose but I want to lose like closely I want to I want to lose competitively like get the hell out of here like who cares if you lose by three points or 30? Like, who cares? Just lose. Like, we do not care. As long as it doesn't cost Brian Dable his job, which it shouldn't regardless because nobody's winning with Tommy DeVito. You can have the best coach of all time. You're not winning with Tommy DeVito in the NFL. I'm sorry. It's not happening. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but, like, still, I have to be honest. You're not winning with Tommy DeVito and the... um deficiencies on this roster overall you're not going to win you have Darren Waller out freaking Tyrod Taylor out Daniel Jones out I mean you're not going to win that's just it is what it is I'm sure the Giants are in on tanking at this point <laughs> like if the if the Giants really took winning seriously Tommy DeVito would not be the quarterback the last three weeks it just wouldn't happen the Giants would have signed Carson Wentz or they would have signed some guy in free agency or they would have traded for somebody before the deadline they would have got a uh, you know, josh dobbs or someone like that like they would have made that type of move they don't care about winning at this point i'm sure the coaches do i'm sure the players do but joe shane understands the vision the vision is to get the freaking first overall pick or the second overall pick Winning these games now means nothing. It doesn't. The only thing that matters is hopefully they're not bad enough where Brian Dable loses his job. And same for, like, Mike Kafka and Don Martindale. And, you know, I know that Northwestern head coaching job was taken, so hopefully that, that means Mike Kafka can stay. But I can easily see the Giants needing a scapegoat and making Mike Kafka that guy. Like, they could easily fire Mike Kafka, who I think is a fine offensive coordinator. I don't want him fired. I've said that already, but, you know, it would not shock me because the Giants, of course, need somebody to blame for this awful season, and even Don Martindale. And, and the scary part is is that um, Leslie Frazier took the year off. He was the former Bills defensive coordinator, and you just had the Bills offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, get fired. So you know that if Don Martindale... And Mike Kafka do have to get fired after this year. There's two easy replacements that were formerly with the Bills and worked with Brian Dable over there in Buffalo that are no longer unemployed. So, you know, I'm hoping that that's not the case. I do like Kafka. And there's been a chart floating around. I forget who tweeted it or who put it out there. But there's a, a chart that showed like wide receiver separation amongst every team in the league and the Giants had apparently the second best you know separation amongst their wide receivers it's like the problem is we just don't have a quarterback these guys get open but we just don't have a quarterback we don't have the offensive line talent so you know I know people disagree and say oh you need to build the offensive line then draft a quarterback which doesn't make sense um I really do believe if you bring in a Caleb Williams or a Drake May this team's gonna look a lot better there's enough talent to make this work I mean even with Tyrod Taylor the Giants looked competent you know what I mean like they 
weren't going to make the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and even with Daniel Jones this year based on how things were going, but they at least could look competent with Tyrod Taylor. They went to Buffalo, lost by a yard. Um, they beat Washington in that game. When the hell was that? Week 7, 14-7. They probably should have scored more in that game because I know Saquon had the fumble in, in the red zone and Gano missed a kick. But, you know, Tyrod gets hurt early in that Jets game and they only score 10 points and lose. So um, I think with a good quarterback, like you're going to look fine. I understand it'd be nice to have an offensive line. That's great. But as I've said before, when you're drafting that high, it's because your team sucks and the Giants are not good. They suck. So you're going to have a high pick, hopefully take a quarterback and then finish out the pieces. You know what I mean? Like we've seen teams do this. The blueprint is out there. I I know Joe Burrow just got hurt yesterday, but, like, the Bengals did it. Like, they drafted Burrow. They had a crappy offensive line his first two years. I know year two they went to the freaking Super Bowl. But year three they did fix the offensive line. I know this year they faced some injuries and it hasn't been that good. But, you know, even for the Jacksonville Jaguars, when they drafted Trevor Lawrence, the offensive line was horrible. But they've built it up to a point where it's no longer, like, a glaring issue. So, you know, I understand the argument, and I would love to have an offensive line for Caleb Williams or Drake May when hopefully they're Giants in the future, but you have you have to take the quarterback first. You can't take an offensive lineman and the quarterback at the same time. Like You have to take the quarterback first, and then hopefully your evaluations and your, your process as a GM are good enough where you can build the offensive line after that. Like You, ha- you have Andrew Thomas. You hopefully have your center in John Michael Schmitz. I'm hoping at worst Evan Neal can be moved to guard and he's serviceable, which I don't know. So, like, you either have two or three guys already on the offensive line. Um, whether that's Neal at right tackle or guard, I don't know. We'll see. I, I It would really piss me off if the Giants give up on Neal before trying him at guard because we, we saw this with Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers was horrible as a guard, or as a tackle, I meant to say, whether it was left tackle, right tackle, and... You know, instead of giving him a try at guard, the Giants just flat out released him. And I get it because Eric Flowers was apparently a douchebag and, like, he literally, like, hit a reporter. I think he hit Jordan Ronan, right? I think he hit Jordan Ronan back in, like, 2018 or something. But, um, so Eric Flowers had a bad attitude, bad locker room guy. I get all that, so let him go. But then he went on to Washington and I think Miami and was actually a pretty decent guard for a bit. So, like, it would annoy me if the Giants and Evan Neal, aside from that burger flipping comment, has had no, like, issues with being like a a good locker room guy like I've seen interviews with Evan Neal he seems like a good dude so like I I would not give up on him before trying him out at guard like I think that makes the most sense he was taken freaking seventh overall in the draft for a reason he's a talented guy I would try that out first and see how it goes but anyway all right so now finally on to the game I don't have much to say I mean the Commanders offense, they pass the ball a ton. That's kind of been Eric Bieniemy's thing since coming here. They pass the ball a lot. Have talented receivers, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. Dotson, by the way, killed me in fantasy last week. The guy played 95% of snaps and had zero points. I, what are we doing here? I know some of that's because Sam Howell spreads the ball out so much, but man, Jahan Dotson, this might be like a squeaky wheel game for him. Maybe Jahan Dotson scores a touchdown. But Terry McLaurin, of course, still great. Uh, Logan Thomas has had his moments this year. Had that really good Thursday night game against the, uh, who the hell was that? Was that the Bears game? I forget now. But he had a good Thursday night game a few weeks back. Um, Offensive line-wise are not that bad. Um, Charles Leno playing well. Sam Cosme playing well. Um, Who's this? Andrew Wiley. 
He's playing well at right tackle. So, yeah, their offensive line's doing okay. Brian Robinson at running back's having a nice year. Um, he had a really good receiving game last week. I, I don't look at Brian Robinson as a receiving back, but I think he had like 120 receiving yards and a touchdown last week against Seattle. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, for the Giants' defense, you're hoping that, once again, Kayvon continues to develop. Dexter Lawrence continues to be arguably the best interior defensive lineman in football. Aziz Ojolari is back and healthy for now, so we'll see how long that lasts for. Um, Cordell Flotts played well. I'm excited about that. Hoping that Deontay Banks plays well in this game against a couple good receivers and Dotson and McLaurin. Okereke, um, McFadden, guys like that. Hoping they still play well. Xavier McKinney, as I said, I don't really care what he does. I'm kind of over that experience at this point. Like, he has not been the best locker room guy. And I'm sure his teammates like him. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Because I know Andrew Thomas kind of, you know, responded to his quote in not so good of a way. But I'm just kind of over McKinney because he just seems to have... it. McKinney seems like a guy who will point the finger and never take accountability. Like, he called out Joe Judge, which is fine because he was terrible, but now he's calling out this coaching staff, and it's just like, no. Like, this this is, like, objectively a good coaching staff. Don Martindale's proven. Uh, Dable won Coach of the Year last year. Kafka helped Mahomes develop. I mean, what are we doing here? You know, you can't call out every single coaching staff. Like, you have to look yourself in the mirror, Mr. Xavier McKinney. Um, Giants offense-wise, it's ugly. Offensive line sucks. We'll see if, you know, Andrew Thomas plays, or if not, it's probably Justin Pugh at left tackle. Um, what else? I mean, I want to see Wondell Robinson make plays and Jalen Hyatt. It's it's really impossible for Jalen Hyatt to succeed with Tommy DeVito because DeVito does not have a good arm, and he just can't hit him downfield, so that sucks. Like, I think Jalen Hyatt definitely showed some positive signs when Tyrod Taylor played, but, of course, Tyrod's not back for another few games or maybe the entire season. Saquon will get fed, of course, and this game should be closer, so I'm thinking Saquon might see a 20-plus carry game and he'll get his receptions, but I feel bad for Saquon. He's like a sacrificial lamb. Like, he's the only guy on this team that can do anything offensively right now. Um, of course, the receivers can't do anything because the quarterback sucks. But at least the running back can still make something happen sometimes, and, and Saquon will get his touches. But I feel like he's just out there getting 25 carries, and there's no he has no contract for next year. He's a free agent after this year. So I feel bad for the guy. You know, as I said, I do feel bad for Barkley. I don't blame Barkley. I know I go back to that tweet I had about, you know, I'm over this era of guys. I don't blame Saquon Barkley. I don't hate Saquon Barkley. But Saquon's a guy who at this point is just being thrown out there with no contract for next year, and he's just being thrown out there getting getting 25 touches for a team that's probably going to win two games. Like, I feel bad at that point, you know? If Saquon was on a long-term deal, I'd be like, all right, whatever, he's fine. But, like, the fact that it's a contract year for him and, you know, let's say he gets hurt because he's getting all these carries behind a crappy line, like, I would feel bad about that from a personal level. So hopefully he doesn't, like, sustain some type of bad injury. But... Um, who else we got? Uh, the commander's defense, of course, they traded two, uh, two defensive linemen, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, but, you know, whatever. I mean, their defense, I feel like, hasn't been that awful. They played well in their first game without those guys against the Patriots. Uh, last week, they gave up 29 to Seattle. Seattle had, uh, I forget how they scored now. Seattle had that one big reception from Kenneth Walker. Uh, Tyler Lockett may have scored a touchdown, too, so maybe they're getting beat deep, but, um, the commander's defense, it's its not that great. It definitely should have been better coming into this year. They underperformed, so it is what it is. But uh, they have good names there, of course. Um, that's pretty much it for the game. I, I My prediction for this score was probably going to be like 
20, 24 or 27, 24 or 27. What should I give the Commanders? Because I think the Giants' defense might come out in this game and actually play kind of well. Let's go 24, 24 to 13. 24 13 Washington will be my prediction here for this matchup. So, with that being said, I do expect Washington to uh, cover the spread. So, that's a shame. So, anyway, speaking of spreads, let's get to the week number. Is it week 11 or 12? I should know this. Week 11. Week 11 spread picks in the NFL. Let's get into it. All right, spread pick time. Last week, I went 5-7-1, and one, so this is just not looking good. Um, 67-70-4 on the year, so we're still within reach of 500, but it's getting away fast. Anyway, first game is the Steelers at the Browns. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is starting for the Browns with Deshaun Watson out for the year. That is another... AFC North quarterback injury, him and Burrow going down is a tough look. And the Steelers are 6-3 and three despite not being a good football team. I mean, like, they're – all right, I should rephrase that. They're a decent football team. They should not be 6-3. and three. Like, Kenny Pickett is just not good. So, anyway, the Browns are one-and-a-half-point favorites, which is kind of weird given the quarterback situation. And I'm still going to buy into it. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson now getting quarterback one reps in practice because, remember, the one start that DTR had – Watson was supposed to start the entire week, and I think it came out on Sunday morning that DTR was going to be the quarterback, so he had no idea he was going to start until like an hour before the game probably, so more preparation, the Browns defense is still tremendous, they have a great, they came off a great win against the uh, Ravens last week, which should definitely get them fired up, so I'm going to take the Browns here as one and a half point favorites at home in the dog pound. Next, we have the Raiders at the Dolphins, 14 point favorites, the Miami Dolphins, Dolphins, I believe, are coming off a bye. The Dolphins tend to cover these spreads against not-so-good teams at home. So, you know what? I'm going to take the Dolphins as 14-point favorites. I know there's a lot of hotness with Antonio Pierce and the Raiders playing better, but I don't know. It seems like a good opportunity to bet the Dolphins and get some value. So, I'm going to take the Dolphins there. The Bears are at the Lions. Justin Fields makes his return after missing the last, I don't know, four or five games, whatever it was. The Lions are eight-point favorites. Detroit coming off a nice third, what was it, 41-38 win against the uh, Chargers last week. I'm probably going to take the Lions here. Detroit is a great football team right now. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. The Bears, I mean, there might be some rustiness, if that's a word. There might be some rust on Justin Fields. So I'm going to take the Lions minus eight. And Jared Goff, of course, plays great at home. The Lions put up a ton of points at home. And I don't know if the Chicago Bears can keep up. So I will take the Lions minus eight. Here we have the Giants as nine-point underdogs against the Commanders. I'm still going to take the Washington Commanders as nine-point favorites. I don't think the Giants have the dogs offensively to get this done and whether unless Saquon has like a long rushing touchdown or something it's tough for this team to have drives that last now I could see the Giants backdooring this if Washington had like a two possession lead they might play some prevent defense kind of like last week how last week ended when the Giants had that Sterling Shepard touchdown in garbage time I could see a similar situation but hopefully not for my sake next we have the Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars this is a tough one um, I feel like Jacksonville has not played well enough to be seven-point favorites, and I feel like Trevor Lawrence has not been that great lately. But then again, Will Levis did not look good last week from what I saw. So I guess I'll take – oh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think I'll take Tennessee. I, I mean, 
Tennessee is too good of a team, I feel like. I mean, I don't love them, but touchdown underdogs is pretty crazy. So, you know what? I'll take Tennessee, hoping that that defense can step up and, you know, just still keep Trevor Lawrence in check, who once again has not been that impressive this year. The Dallas Cowboys are at the Carolina Panthers. Cowboys are 10.5-point favorites on the road. There's a lot of big spreads, a lot of shitty games this week. So... Dallas is a machine right now. They have looked great the last like three games offensively. Carolina's in a tough spot. Um, not much confidence with them right now. I think uh, it's tough. I think I'll still take Dallas. I don't love it. I, I wish it was like nine and a half or something like that. But yeah, I'll take Dallas minus ten and a half. And I think the Panthers have too many injuries on defense this year to, you know, compete. And of course, Bryce Young looks awful against this great Dallas defense. Who, yeah, they're down Trayvon Diggs and now Leighton Vander Esch is out for the year. But still, Dallas has a great defense and they should hold Carolina to like under fourteen points or so. Um, the Chargers are at the Packers. This game could be interesting. It depends if the Packers offense gets their you-know-what together. Um, I like the Chargers minus three. I think the Chargers, you know, their offense is struggling a bit. Not struggling. They put up 38 freaking points last week. But what I meant to say is, like, they have guys out right now that are good players, um, you know, whether that's Mike Williams with the ACL or Joshua Palmer, a couple of receivers out. But... I don't know. I just don't trust the Packers, and it is a home game for them. It's it's a West Coast team and warm weather going to a cold weather environment. But I, I, I still don't. I still think Justin Herbert's too good to lose to um, Jordan Love. I just don't see it happening. But hey, you never know. So I'll take the Chargers minus three though. The Cardinals are at the Texans. The Texans are six point favorites. Wow. So a pretty big spread here. It wasn't what I expected. So. With that being said, I'm taking Arizona plus six. I just think they look so much better with Kyler Murray. Um, six is a lot. I'm not fully bought in on the Texans. You know, like, I think they're a decent team now. Like, I, I went from thinking they're awful to, like, they're decent. But the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, they're a different team. Like, Joshua Dobbs is a great story, but Kyler Murray is one of the top, you know, 14 quarterbacks in the league or 12, whatever. So I'm taking Arizona plus six. I think they can keep this one close, maybe even win the game. We'll see. Tampa Bay at the San Francisco 49ers, a big spread once again. 12-point favorites are the 49ers. They had a dominant win last week against the uh, Jaguars. Um... Man, this is a tough one, too. I think I'll go Tampa Bay plus 12. Uh, Tampa Bay at least has shown some signs of life in the last couple games. And I think they finally got their first win last week after losing like five in a row. So, you know, things are a bit positive for the Bucks right now. San Fran can be like, you know, having a look-ahead game or something or overlook their opponent here or whatever. So I'll take Tampa Bay plus 12. There's a chance. Um, Seattle... At the Rams, the Rams are one-point favorites. Wow. All right, so that's pretty interesting. Seattle has not been too impressive this year, but their record's decent. What's the, what's their record this year? Let me look real quick. The Seahawks are, am I in the right week? The Seahawks are 6-3, and three, and the Rams are 3-6. and six. I mean, it's interesting. Interesting spread here. They get Stafford back. Um, their wide receiver cord, the Rams, should be at full health, you know, getting Cup and Nakua. So I could see it being close, but I think Seattle's a better team. So I'm taking Seattle plus one. I don't think the Rams have too much of a home field advantage. I mean, it's not like Chargers level, but it's still not like tremendous. So I'll take Seattle plus one. Uh, the Jets are at the Bills. The Bills are seven and a half point favorites. Mm, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I think 
I think a lot of people will be inclined to take Buffalo with the new offensive coordinator change. Um, Joe Brady now the offensive coordinator after Ken Dorsey got fired. But I feel like taking the Jets is the sharp move, but I, I just can't do it. I just can't bet on Zach Wilson right now. I think I'll take the Bills. I'll take the Bills. Seven and a half point favorites. Yes, it's a little scary because the Jets secondary is so good, but... I don't know. The Bills showed some signs of running the ball well last week with James Cook. They could get Leonard Fournette finally in this game. We'll see. Maybe that helps out, but I'll take the Bills minus 7.5. The Vikings are at the Broncos Sunday night football. Josh Dobbs mania hoping to continue here on the road. Denver coming off a nice win last week. It was uh, a win gifted to them by a... uh, a big error on the special teams of Buffalo by having 12 men on the field. But um, Minnesota, I don't think they're getting Justin Jefferson back this week. He should be back next week, so another week without him. I think I'll take Denver. I kind of like what Denver has going on right now. I think they've won like three or four straight games. Let me look real quick. Denver has won three straight games, and they kept it close with the uh, the Chiefs in their last loss, which was that Thursday nighter when they lost 19-8. to I mean, their offense was horrible in that game. But still, um, Denver's looked okay lately. They've had some impressive wins. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the, um, they beat the Bills. So Denver minus 2.5 for me. This is a great game. Super Bowl rematch on Monday night. Eagles at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 2.5-point favorites. All right. So, of course, the Chiefs' defense has been tremendous this year. Um... You know, shout out to Steve Spagnolo for that. The Eagles, the offense for the Eagles has not looked as good as you wanted it to, but I'm still taking Philly. I feel like when Philly plays these heavyweight matchups, they always keep it close or they always, um, you know, they always win or either keep it close. The Eagles do lose random games. They've lost to the, you know, they've lost to the Commanders lately or they, you know, keep games close with them. They've lost to the Jets this year, which is, I think, their lone loss on the year, right? I think they have one loss this year. Uh, eight and one, yeah. So their one loss was to the freaking Jets at MetLife, which was not expected. So the Eagles tend to keep these games close. They're giving me two and a half points. So I'll take Philly plus two and a half there. So anyway, that's going to do it for the spread picks. That'll do it for the Giants preview and the Giants rant, whatever you want to call it. But I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like. It always helps out. And I'll talk to you guys next time.